Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyid al-mursaleen, wa khatim al-nabiyyin, wa ala alihi al-tayyibin al-tahirin, wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawm al-deen wa ba'd. Faqad qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fi muhammi tanzilih, ba'da na'ud billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wa ma ubari'u nafsi, inna al-nafsa la'amaratun bisu. Wa qala ta'ala, لا أقسم بيوم القيامة ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة وقال تعالى يا أيتها النفس المطمئنة ارجعي إلى ربك راضية مرضية فادخلي في عبادي وادخلي جنتي صدق الله العظيم My dear respected brothers and sisters, respected elders and young students السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته There are so many commandments of Allah سبحانه وتعالى that we are aware of, we have knowledge of, we know we, what we are supposed to do. So many prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know we need to abstain from. Yet all of us find it difficult to follow through with the orders of Allah, with the awamir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to abstain from the nawahi, the prohibitions of Allah. With no exception, each one of us are facing this challenge to overcome our inner desires. We are all in the same boat. And this is our nafs, our internal nafs that is pushing us in the wrong direction. Our internal desires that we have, that we have to conquer. This nafs that we have, no doubt its default state is such that it incites us towards evil. But in the few ayat that I recited, there is hope that if we continue to struggle in obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, continue to do mujahada and strive against our nafs, to do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remain in the company of the righteous people, continue to gain ilm of deen, in struggle, depending on how much Allah has decreed for us to, in our individual lives to make that level of struggle and effort in mujahada, then this nafs can change. It will not always remain the same. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And that is the different stages of the nafs that I would like to speak about today, inshaAllah, with tawfiqillah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first default state, unfortunately, this is the nature of the test that we are all going through. It is very difficult. This is the first ayah that I recited from Surah Yusuf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَةٌ بِالسُّوءٌ إِلَّا مَا رَحِمَ رَبِّي This comes in the chapter of Surah Yusuf alayhi salam, particularly at that juncture of his story, when the king he saw a dream, the king of Egypt he saw a dream and it really was a complicated dream we don't have time to go into the dream seven thin cows eating up seven fat cows very strange dream and when he asked his, his members of his court to interpret the dream they said, These are just mixed up, uh, confused matters that you have seen and there's no interpretation. But he knew that it was a significant dream. And finally, the royal cup bearer who used to give him the drink, he remembered. After a long period of time, nine years, his mind went back to nine years ago when he was in the jail. And he was facing hanging, and he was, and he met a person in the jail, 
and he had given an interpretation of a dream that he had. Oh, and that interpretation came true. That his friend was hanged and that he became the royal cupbearer. He said, I will tell you the interpretation of this dream. I know, I have a very good source who can give you the right information. Send me, I will go and find the interpretation. So he goes back to the jail. He remembers Yusuf alayhi salam. Yusuf, aftina fi Oh, Yusuf, give us aftina, give us the fatwa, give us the interpretation and the ruling regarding this dream. So he explained the meaning. Seven years you will have good grains and, and you will have abundance of wealth. And then you will have seven difficult years of hardship and you have to prepare for that. And that's why the grains that you have, you have to be rationing it out, keep the seeds to plant in the, in the difficult years. So when he goes and tells this detailed dream as well as the plan of implementation for saving the economy and the, uh, of the country, the king is so impressed. He says, الملك, The king said, Bring this man to me. This is an amazing genius. What is he doing rotting in the jail? I will make him my minister, my special uh, minister, close to me, advisor. So Yusuf alayhi salam, when the messenger comes from the king, the messenger comes from the king, says you have been granted a royal pardon, and you can now, uh, you are now invited by the king himself. Yusuf al-Islam, instead of jumping at, at this great moment that he is now finally released from jail, he, he did not do so because freedom was very dear to him, of course. But what is more important than freedom was his name, his honor. And he wanted to clarify that. On what basis was he in prison? The entire time it was a false allegation. So he said, no, 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 I'm not going to leave the jail. Go back to your master. Ask him, figure out, do an investigation. What was the lot of those women who cut their hands? Those, those women who cut off their hands when they saw my beauty, they are those who plotted against me. With the ringleader being Zulaikha, the wife of the Aziz and Mr. the governor of Egypt. Inna Rabbi My Lord knows how they plotted against me. So they did the investigation and the result came that Yusuf was clear and these allegations are false. The wife said, Now the truth has come out. I was the one trying to seduce Yusuf. He is amongst the truthful ones. He was chaste. He was loyal to his master. He did not mechiana and, uh, and uh, lay a hand on his master's wife, nor did he commit any sin. So, Yusuf now felt pleased and happy, satisfied that his innocence has been proven. So he says, He says, Now I wanted this investigation to occur first. So it is firmly established for everyone that I did not make any khiyana, betrayal of trust. And Allah will not guide those who betray the trusts. So he is now proving his innocence. This is actually the context of this first ayah. This is brief context. The whole surah is the context. But this is the last part of the story preceding this ayah that I quoted. 
So he is actually proving his innocence. He's proving that he did not commit this crime. She was a seductress and he remained chaste and he was wrongfully imprisoned all these years. And after proving that, he felt uncomfortable. He felt uncomfortable in proving that I was, I'm free of blame. Because even though he completely was justified in this particular instance to do so, because the general principle is in the Quran, anfusakum. Do not declare yourself to be pure. Do not claim to be sinless. Allah alone knows who is truly God-fearing and who isn't. Likewise, Allah says, Alam tara ila anfusahum. Do you not see those people who claim themselves to be pure? No, it's Allah who purifies whom He wishes. So, Tazkiyatul Nafs meaning, one is a purification of the soul, we hear this word Tazkiyatul Nafs, that is of course something we all need to engage in. But one is Tazkiyatul Nafs in the sense that you declare yourself to be pure. In that context is something wrong, not to be done, not to declare yourself to be pure. In Surah Al-Najm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says beautifully that even that he knows your condition fully even when you are a jinnah when a jinnah is plural of janin which means when you were the fetuses when you were unborn before you were born he was fully aware of your condition he knows who is muttaqi who isn't don't have this holier than thou attitude and declare yourself to be pure so in this context, when Yusuf السلام, who, he went through this whole investigation to prove his innocence, he felt uncomfortable. But why was he justified here? Because he was wrongfully uh, uh, accused of a crime, and now he's being released. If he didn't set the record straight, it would always be on his record. Yeah, he was wise man. Yeah, he was intelligent. Yeah, he was a genius. He gave a great interpretation. The king uh, liked him and elevated him. But he has a past, he has some baggage, he has a history. Back in his younger days, you know, you don't have to necessarily remember that, but the fact of the matter is, he did commit these crimes. So, he wanted to clear, that, no, no, he never committed any crime. That's why he, he made a point to prove his innocence. However, at the same time, he says, look, SubhanAllah, look at his humbleness. He says that, I did remain pure, and I want everyone to know I was pure, but if I was pure, it's not because of my perfection or because I'm so great. It is only the mercy of Allah that He protected me from falling into this sin. And that's why He says, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ nafsi." I do not declare my nafs to be completely bari, which means free and pure and will never be susceptible to falling into sin. I don't do that. In fact, he mentions the default state of the nafs, which he was far elevated from that. We are in that condition. What does he say? Verily, the station of the nafs, the condition of the nafs is such that it is, one is an amir, which is an active participle, the one that commands. And one is amara. Amara with a tashdeed, with a double letter meme. Amara means it is very strongly commands a person towards evil. Just like you heard of Alim, is a scholar, and one is Allama, with the Shadda and the Lam. You hear of Allama Iqbal, no one says Alim Iqbal, they'll say Allama Iqbal, Rahimullah. So, likewise you have Alim versus Allama, so you have Amir versus Ammara. Ammara is the one that is just 
non-stop pushing you towards evil. Amara bisu. The nafs by its very inherent nature, the way it was created by its creator, is amara bisu. It is pushing you towards evil. And it would have pushed me towards evil too. And I would have committed the sin with uh, Zulaikha. And I would have committed zina and I would have done everything. She closed the seven doors. You know, since we are part of the masjid here and the designing and everything, even though engineering, architecture is not our field, we meet with the contractors, architects, so we have certain idea. So one of the things we know is that um, there are different uh, building codes and there are different uh, rules for building any structure, public place or even private place. So one of them is that you have to have emergency exits. So th- when, I re- when I read the tafsir of this and when we see how the building codes nowadays are, it just is amazing how uh, impossible this type of structure would be in our current environment. Well, means that there was a, there's a palace, there's a door. Inside the palace, there's a cham- chamber which has a door. Inside that chamber is another chamber. Inside that chamber is another chamber. Inside that is another room. Inside that room is another room. Seven doors. So, if in case of any fire or emergency, you know, you're not one or two doors away from ex- exiting out. You're seven doors away. You have to get out of this room. And that's when Yusuf al-Islam started running towards the door. It was locked, but he ran towards the locked door. Allah opened it for him. The one door. Then he, from there, he had to run out. He didn't have fresh air outside. The second door. Then the third door, then the fourth door, the fifth door, the sixth door. This would be completely impossible to build such a structure nowadays with the present building codes. Right? And seven doors. After the seventh door, he crossed. Uh, the seventh door, they found the master. They found the husband. And she was so quick with it. Uh, she was panting, running after him. You know. First is an allegation of a crime. Then you, what do you do? Then you prove the crime occurred. There's witnesses, testimonies. Testimo- uh, there's testimony. There's witnesses who testify. And evidence, cross-examination of the evidence. Then what happens? Eventually the crime is established. Then after the crime is established, finally the last stage is you come to sentencing. The judge will sentence the punishment. What should it be? So she jumped, she didn't even accuse him. She didn't accuse him, she didn't give evidence. She jumped straight to sentencing. When she found her master, her husband there, she said, مَا جَزَاءُ مَنْ أَرَادَ بِأَهْلِكَ سُوءُ Oh my dear husband, what should be the punishment of the one who has evil intentions against your wife? إِلَّا أَنْ يُسْجَنَ أَوْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ He should be imprisoned or face a dreadful torment. So, he says, Yusuf says, I don't declare my nafs to be pure. The nafs is going to continually command you towards evil. With the exception, if my Lord has mercy on me. If my Lord had mercy on me, Alhamdulillah, He saved me. And whoever Allah has mercy on and protects them from their own nafs, they will be saved. Otherwise, we are all lost. Verily, my Lord is a forgiving and merciful. So this is where we all are starting from. This is the starting line. An-nafs amara bisu, pushing us towards evil, day and night. So we don't have to further expound on that because that is what we're all experiencing. We all know how it feels. We know how the inclinations come. 
the desires come to disobey Allah, how difficult it is to obey Allah. This is our daily experience. But, inshallah, if we continue working, if we continue striving, don't give up, then inshallah there is hope that eventually we can progress, that we come to the second stage. And that brings us to Surah Al-Qiyamah. La uqsimu bi yawmil qiyamah. I swear by the day of judgment. All right, this la is added there when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is refuting those who deny the day of judgment and he takes an oath, then he adds an additional la. Wa la uqsimu bin nafsil lawama. And I swear by that nafs which is perpetually involved in lawama. Lawama is the one that is self reproach. Always doing malamat, always blaming oneself. Does the human being think that I cannot resurrect the bones, these big, big bones in the body? I cannot put them back together again? Bala, why not? I definitely have the ability even to recreate the banana. The banana are the fingertips. The fingertips, each fingertip we have, you know, this is a means of identification, it's so unique. No fingertip is, uh, and, uh, is uh, copied. Every single individual has their own fingerprints. Allah says, you are worried about the big, big bones, I can put them back together again. I'm telling you, man, I can breathe your fingerprints back. I can recreate even the fingertips and the fingerprints. So in this context, Allah Ta'ala uses the word nafsul lawama. Lawama is the one that is reproaching itself. This means that first is evil, evil, evil. Ammara bisu. Rejoice in evil. Relish the evil. Enjoy the evil. But if you continue working against that nafs, inshallah, it will become elevated. That now it is at that level that when you commit sin, it, you have that guilty consciousness that you feel bad. You make tawbah. You say, Tawbah Allah, oh Allah, I seek your forgiveness. Astaghfirullah, atubi ilayh. Cry, shed some tears. But then guess what? You're not so strong. You fall and you break your promise to Allah. You disobey Him again. But then you get up and you say, Tawbah, Astaghfirullah, I shouldn't have done that. Then you disobey Him again. You keep on. In fact, Nafsul Lawama, even the tafsir of that, includes that after obeying Allah, you have reproach that I didn't obey Him enough. After doing good deeds also, you feel bad that I didn't do enough, I could have done more. So this is the second condition. Some of us lucky ones may have reached here already that whenever we do bad actions, we feel remorse, we feel regret, nadama, we feel sadness. We, we seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then alhamdulillah, that means we have God left the, the, the Ammara Bisu level and now we have come to the Nafsul Lawama level. And a person, if he doesn't give up and he continues to strive, continues to do mujahada against the Nafs. This is the Nafs that Rasulullah asked the Sahaba one time, what do you think about a companion? That if you feed him, you clothe him, you take care of him, then he'll bite you, he'll beat you, he'll hurt you. And on the other hand, if you leave him alone, you ignore him, let him starve, and remain naked, no clothes, no food, then you will stop hurting you. In fact, you will be in a better position. What do you think about such a companion? They said, this is the, this is the worst companion ever. Rasulullah said, this is the nafs 
بين جنبيك that is in yourself in your in your chest in your body if you continue to feed it it'll bite you and if you starve it then you'll be saved from its from its evil moving forward subhanallah the person of subhanallah is the beloved of allah subhanallah makes effort strives struggles and now he leaves the nafsul lawwara level and progresses to we come to suratul fajr ya ayyatuha nafsul mutma'inna the mutma'inna oh nafs this is a announcement proclamation calling out when is this going to be called out some narrations say right at the time of death some say on the day of judgment some say by Allah some say by the angels Ibn Kathir rahimahullah in tafsir he said why not all of it this could be at the time of death as well as on the day of judgment this call will be made ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna oh that nafs which was calm and which was composed which was peaceful which was at ease which was happy which was content mutma'in which was content with the decree which was radi bi qada'il qadi which was pleased with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the highest level is that nafs that continues you struggle against it until you end up straightening this nafs so that that obedience of Allah which is difficult now becomes easy not only easy becomes enjoyable that disobedience of Allah which is enjoyable becomes distasteful becomes hated a person begins to hate disobedience of Allah has a natural aversion to the disobedience of Allah and enjoys obedience of Allah حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَكَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفَرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِسْيَانَ كُفَرَ فِسْقٍ عِسْيَانَ Disobedience of Allah, disbelief in Allah is hated now. And حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ Iman and our actions of Iman are beloved. We are at the stage, it's so difficult to get up for Fajr and we are struggling. This is our stage, Nafs Ammara Bissu. Then you have the stage of Rasulullah how are you going to give comfort? By giving a nice drink, giving nice food, giving a nice bed. How give me comfort? By calling Adhan. Call the Adhan so I have the comfort for Fajr Salah. Right. So they are enjoying the Ibadah. Disobedience of Allah is an impossible scenario to even imagine. This is Nafs Mutma'inna, pleased with the decree of Allah. Ya Ayatuhan Nafsul Mutma'inna. Then Allah is calling out, Irji'i, come back. Irji'i is a beautiful word. It means you're not going for the first time. When you're going for the first time somewhere, then you have apprehension, you're worried, how is it going to be when you get there? When you go back, that means you're going back to where you came from, it's your home. Irji'i, come back. Ila Rabbik, to your Lord. Radiyatan, mardiyatan. Radiyatan is active participle and mardiyatan is a passive. Meaning, radiyah, you are pleased, you are happy. Come back in such a state that you are happy. And Mardiya is that Allah is happy with you. Radiya means you are happy with Allah. And Mardiya is that Allah is happy with you. You are pleasing, you are pleased with Allah and you are pleasing to Allah. You are pleased with Allah and you are pleasing to Allah. Radiya, Mardiya. And note, when is this? This is when you're dying. When you're dying, you're happy. How in the world is that possible? Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha said, Ya Rasulullah, how are we going to meet Allah when we die? She was honest enough to say, we don't like death. Death is pain. Death has pangs. Death is separation from family and beloved ones. 
How are a person going to be happy? Rasulullah said, Oh Aisha, at the time of death, the angels will bring the scenes of Jannah and the Basharat and the glad tidings to such an extent that there's nafs of the mu'min. The nafs mutmainnah will be so pleased and will be looking forward. I want to leave this physical mortal body, this, this world of pain and sorrow and grief, this world of hunger and, and sickness. And I want to go towards you, O oh Allah. It will be radi, I will be pleased. Don't worry, if you're not happy with death now, you will be happy at that time. Radiya. Mardiya, and you'll be pleased, Allah will be pleased with you, you'll be pleased with Allah. One time, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he was just humming this ayah. In the presence of Rasulullah and Abu Bakr Siddiq. Abu Bakr Siddiq was so affected, he said, what a beautiful title and such a noble address. It's so beautiful. Rasulullah said, Oh Abu Bakr, this is exactly how you will be addressed when your time to return back to Allah comes. This is how you will be addressed. That's why Rasulullah said, Al-Mawtu Tuhfatul Mu'min. Death is the gift of the believer. Gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yusirul Habib ilal Habib. It takes the lover to the, to the beloved, it joins them. Rasulullah said one of the most beautiful hadith ever. He said, Man ahabba liqa Allahi, ahabba Allahu liqa'ahu. Whoever is looking forward and has great expectations to meet Allah, then Allah is looking forward and has great expectations to meet Him. Whoever is not looking forward, does, dislikes meeting Allah, then Allah dislikes meeting Him as well. So the soul will come out very easily. You know the famous surah one naziat. We teach our children the surah from the Ammajus after Naba one naziati gharqa, one nashitati nashta, was sabihati sabha, for sabihati sabka, felmudabirati amra. These are five oaths, one after the other, five attributes of the angels. Time is up, we'll just do the first two. One naziati gharqa are those angels that will be very vigorously and with great effort in striving very with great difficulty they will be pulling out the nafs of the disbelievers from the body when they will see the adab the nafs will see the adab of the akhirah it will not want to go there it will hide into every single little cell of the body and will be spreading out and will try to escape nazi'ati gharqa means the, the angels that will be pulling it out pushing it out great compulsion and force with exertion pulling out that nafs from the body nashitati nashta Allahu Akbar is the one that the angels that will be just untying like a, um, uh, like a balloon. We have for the kids the balloon. When you untie the balloon, how the air escapes, psh, comes out. So the way the air escapes from balloon, when nashitati nashta, they will just untie. Untie that, the lock, and the soul will escape quickly like the air escapes from a balloon. Allah Ta'ala says, Ya ayatuhan nafsul mutma'inna irji'i, come back to ila rabbik, to your Lord, radiyatan mardiyya, pleased with Allah, and Allah is pleased with you. Fadkhuli fi ibadi, enter into my servants. Enter into the group of my servants. Wadkhuli jannati, enter into my jannah. So we have to make an effort. We are all at nafs ammara bisu level, commanding us towards evil. We need to continue to engage in mujahada against this nafs, not to give up, inshaAllah, purify this nafs, until it becomes nafs lawama, beyond that it becomes nafs mutmainna insha'Allah, so that we can also hear these beautiful words at the time of our death, and we gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purify all of our souls. Wa akhda'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.